Part 16. That's that old saying, the days drag on, but the years fly by. You know, sometimes you, you start in a, <coughs> a gospel like this, and you look back, and I'm like, 40 sermons. But man, we're already up to 16. Seems like this last week we were at 15. Um, but what, you know, as we go through this, that last line, you know, who is like you, God, you know, that's the idea that we talked about a little bit uh, with the children. It's no one. I mean, obviously, it's God's the one who reveals this stuff at his whim. Uh, you know, it's not us. And this is, uh, as we r read through these things, you, you look at what he's given us, and, you know, people throughout history have said, well, I don't know if I like this. And it's like, you know, I don't know if God really cares if you like it. It's supposed to be there for you. It's a little arrogant for us to think that maybe we would know more of what we need. Um, and it tries to, it gives us who God is. That's, it's a way to do it. So there's a lot of objective evidence about this Bible being true. And we've talked about that in different Bible studies. And if that's something that is a stumbling block for you, certainly let us know. I don't know if the evidence will be compelling to you. I can't change that, but we can at least give it to you. But there's also subjective things. Y you're here for to, to, to hear God's word, to worship him, to pray to him. Um, he says, if you seek me, you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart. So I'm guessing there's going to be something in here for you today, not because my sermon's great, um, but because the word is. Um, so, and especially when it's talking about Jesus and, and what he does. So we have Jesus here encounter uh, with what we call a Syrophoenician woman, and we'll, we'll, we will explain that here in just a second. So we'll, let's read these uh, seven verses uh, and then look into them. And from there, and we'll look where he came from in a minute too, he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. To say this is an interesting account is a little bit of a, uh, it's, it's, it's a big deal, isn't it? It's just, it's just odd in a lot of ways, different than he does in a lot of ways. He's in an odd place. We looked at Jesus' teaching last week on uh, defilement and impurity and how that works um, and this account brings some of that in. We've got what we call an unclean Gentile, and I think we talked about it last week. A Gentile is just a non-Jew, so if you add up all the people in the world, you've got Jews and non-Jews. That's the way they looked at it. She's unclean. Unclean doesn't mean necessarily sinful. It just means you're just not part of the covenant. You're just outside. Um, it's something that's not uh, approachable to God type of thing. Um, and one of the problems with this account is Jesus sounds quite harsh to this woman, and we'll look at it. Um, and if he is, 
that, you know, it's really up to him. Uh, and if he, but is he? And that's the thing. But where the heck are we? You know, I, well, I know we're in Denison. But in the text, um, this is, a, I hope you can see this. It's a little bit. This, you know, most of the time he hangs out in this little area called Galilee. And if you see right here is Capernaum. Bethsaida is right there. Nazareth, where he grew up, is right there. Jerusalem's way down here. And this is always about s it's 75 miles. We do that during Christmas. How long did it take him to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem? It's like, uh, depends how many miles per hour they're going, but, um, but it, it's about 75 miles. He's way up here in what's called Syria. And this area here was called Phoenicia. Uh, it has, had been for a long time. So you now you know what Syrio Phoenicia, it's the Syrian Phoenicia. It's really not that hard. Um, but so he's up here, and we find out why he's up there. Looks like he's on vacation to me. I mean, look at these. You know, I, I don't, has anybody ever been up in this area? I mean, literally? And you can literally raise your hand if you have. Because I can't hear you thinking. I've been, Caesarea uh, is right here. I've been there. And we were up to Mount Carmel, which is kind of a fun place to go. Very pretty. I mean, if I was going to vacation, I'd go there if it wasn't for the machine guns. I mean, <laughs> it was, uh, I don't know if they're still there. That's been a while. But, but you know, and, and so he's up here. I, I don't know if they're, you know, out, you know, body surfing or I don't know. I mean, they do what they want, right? But so he's kind of trying to take some time off. Uh, so, but he's outside of Israel. This Judea, Samaria, Galilee, Edomia, this is all Israel. Um, this is, and just for fun, if you want, you know, Judea was ruled by, by the time, at this time, was ruled by Pilate as a procurator. Galilee and Perea were Herods. You can see who's got that. And Decapolis was kind of independent. Syria was part of, of Rome, too. So we come into this with, he's going outside, he's not, and you find out this a lot, it's another interruption, you know. But, but we get three facts about this before we get into how to interpret it. You know, one theological, one cultural, personal, one method. So what is he doing here? First of all, Jesus continuously and always taught that his mission was first and primary to the Jewish people. I mean, what, how many Gentiles did he call to be his 12 disciples? Not. How many of the women that followed him were Gentiles? You know, one at best, and that one's kind of tenuous, but pretty much none. You know, it was all Jewish people. And we see this in, uh, and that's what he's saying here. Let the children be fed first. You know, he's kind of giving some theology to her. So you like, where do we see this? Well, you get this in Matthew 10 when he, when he sends out the 12. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Um, in, in Romans 1, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes in to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Acts 1, but you will receive power, this is right before Jesus ascends, from the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in where? Well, Jerusalem first and then Judea, eventually Samaria, and then to the ends. I mean, it's, there's a process here. Um, and so that's kind of what's going on here. He's not going up there to do a lot of preaching. Um, and he was most likely also quoting a popular proverb. 
Uh, it appears the woman took it that way. Um, the dog, I was thinking today if somebody called me a dog, if I would think that was a compliment. It wasn't in uh, Three Amigos, a really good film, you know. You will, you, you will die like dogs, you know. Yeah. Got to have the accent, right? Uh, usually it's, it's a pejorative thing, um, I, I think. But, you know, it's probably a metaphor. You know, give the bread. Is he talking about actual bread? Well, he's talking about the, his message, you know, the word. Um, is he talking about little kids being fed? No, he's talking about the Jewish people. So bread and children are metaphors. Is it maybe possible that dog is? And we know from, we know this isn't hard. You don't have to read much to find out that dog is just another term for Gentile. Uh, so, so he's saying, you know, let the Jewish people be fed the word of God from the Messiah first. And that's, I'm not going to be giving it to the Gentiles right now. That's pretty much what he's saying. And I think that's the way she took it. And so he, he often uses parables, you know, a lot. I don't know if you knew that. He has a lot of parables. And so we've got this going. I, don't, I think I'll have to admit, psychologically, I'm trying to get Jesus to be a nicer guy here. But I do think the text does this. Um, when you have your, uh, when you look at this, he was going to the region just to get away from people, and this is another interruption. Um, but we can't put Jesus in the same camp. Um, as we are. We just sang it. Who is like you, God? I mean, Jesus was human, but he, uh, do you think he really just like, you know, why are you bothering me? Does that sound like Jesus? No, I mean, that sounds like me <laughs> sometimes, hopefully not that often. But again, th th so, I mean, we got to do this. Get your movie going, you know, um, and I don't care what Jesus you use, whatever's in your mind, how would Jesus say this to her. You know, we tend to think that he's like, you know, just kind of flippant, you know. I don't think so. Is he flipping anywhere else? I mean, this is the way I would do it. I won't do this justice, but, you know, I could just see him saying something like, let the children be fed first. It's not right to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. What do you think? You know, I mean, I, that's kind of the way I take it. I mean, you don't have to take it as being mean. Uh, and how did she know he was there? I mean, certainly he did not put up posters. I mean, in fact, he didn't want anybody to know he's there. So what are the options? Well, pretty much the same option of everything in our life. Either God caused it or you got lucky. <laughs> Not a lot of luck in the Bible. Not a lot of magic in there either. God's providence is there. I mean, I don't know. My movie? I think the spirit director here. It's my movie. You can do what I want. You can have your own movie. He got, she got there somehow. Um, well, let me ask you this. Do you think it's more likely that God was involved in this encounter or not? I think it's pretty likely. Okay? So... And was this like, you know, do the backstory if you want. How long has she been wanting help? Um, yeah, one, one doesn't know. Uh, 
I mean, it could be mo much more benign. It could be Andrew, who seems to be talking to everybody all the time. Could have been walking around and saying, yeah, you know, and how's it going? Oh, how are you guys doing? It's like, yeah, Jesus is, oh, whoops, no, he's not. I'm just kidding. You know, just blabbers it out. And she's like, oh, I've heard of that guy. You know, news is spread, you know, so. So I think, you know, who knows how this exactly happened, but there's, there's implicit in here is some theology that we need to know. But really, her words are very telling. How does she address it? Yes, Lord. You know, very respectful. Uh, so even though she may not have understand his plan, uh, or ultimate, she had faith, she had simple faith in him. She came to him. And, and she says that wonderful line, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs, you know. And I don't know why I did this, but I did the word thing, and I couldn't find the whole lot. But it made me think of the mustard seed. How much faith does it take to make a difference? Just a crumb, maybe, you know. It's not how big your faith is. It's how, who your faith is placed in. And her faith was placed in him. And this is such a cool thing. I mean, there's, is there maybe more went on and you can do your own. And if you're new, I've always kind of wanted, I do this in my own mind. Think about this account and how would it look if you had all the money in the world to make your scene, whatever actors you want, you put in there. How would you want this? What do you think this looks like? And I think, I, I just can't believe Jesus is just flipping here. And I think he really, I think there's, I can imagine that he looks at her and there's some connection there that's just divine. You know, that he, do you think he cares about her? She's just a dog. No, she's not. Yeah. And this is a rabbit trail I'm not going to go down, but do you think Jesus knew she was coming? Good chance. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a really good chance that she understood this was going to happen. Um, but he doesn't say that to her. Uh, but I could see he's just like, oh, yeah, well, yep, she, this is the one I knew was coming. You know, but, um, but she, she has faith in him. And the notice, he says, from this statement, what statement? That if there's any help going to come, even if it's just a crumb, it's going to come from you because there's no one like you, you know, I mean, she's implying that, just because of her statement, and uh, he was convinced that her faith was, gem now, I realize Jesus can know people's hearts, and we, we can't do, that. I mean, somebody could say something like this to us, and we wouldn't understand, but again, if you haven't figured that out yet, one of the things you do need to get down clearly is that you're not Jesus, um, he, he can, he got really into this, and luck what it took to get rid of the demon, he didn't even have to go there, I don't know how many miles away this demon was, but I can imagine now we do it from the demon's perspective. It's like the demon's in there. It's like, it's going pretty good. <laughs> Got her and everything. It's like, whoa, what's going on? You know, it's just all of a sudden, boom, you're out of there, dude. You got no power. Jesus, did, how that works in the spiritual realm, I don't know, but it's so cool the way this happens. It shows his power over evil, and it's not just in Israel. It's everywhere. What are we doing here in Mark? We're going through piece by piece. We're kind of taking, the disciples more than likely were in the background here. And they're seeing this. And they're seeing how much power, he, he has power outside of Israel. You know, that was a pagan belief, right? 
you, you, if you go, if you're some sort of holy person and you go into an, another realm, then you don't have any power. Well, Jesus isn't just some holy guy, you know. And I don't even know if that's true. That's not the point. But the, but the idea that he's got power everywhere. It's an interesting miracle, isn't it? Uh, I think this might be the only time where, he, and you can correct me if it's if uh, uh, not correct, uh, not true. The, the the only time he he exercises a demon from a distance. Yeah, it's just it, he kind of he he does gets rid of a fever from a distance. He gets rid of the and maybe there's more, um, but that uh, uh, anyway. I know you guys who uh, are into your Bibles, you'll let me know if I'm wrong. And, th and that's good. I like that. Correct it. Um, I, I think that's fun. It'll get you in there anyway. You know, that's the, love to say that's why I do it. I just can't remember if there's more than that. But it is an interesting show of his power. So there's kind of a healing. We keep seeing this. He's still up there. So we he's, he's, he's up north um, in the region of Tyre. Then he, he comes down. Then he returns from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis, which we showed on that map, and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, which usually go hand in hand, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. Got your movie going? I don't know why this makes me think of the Three Stooges, but it does. Um, sorry. Um, and after spitting, touched his tongue. Just when you think you got it figured out. Um, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha, which means be open, it's an Aramaic word. And his ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them not to tell, to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealous they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And remember where we are. We're still in Gentile territory. This is not his main ministry. Um, so you think, well, you know, and I came up with maybe three things. Why does he go outside here? I mean, one of them I don't even put up there. Is a, you know, maybe he just wants some vacation. Um, but why does he have these trips outside of Israel? I think it is to show that he's the Messiah for all. Even though now, when I when you look at that, he he starts with the Jews, but then end with the Jews. It's just where it starts, you know. You know, I said, well, his disciples were all Jewish, but what lineage or what ethnicity was Jesus? He was Jewish. Didn't know that. Um, very Jewish. I know some people's movies. He looks like he's from Norway, but more likely not. Uh, but it's your movie. Do what you want. It probably illustrates that although his primary ministry is to the Jews, there will eventually be a Gentile ministry, and you can read, you know, all the, that's Paul and, and Peter, too. A lot of them go out, Barnabas, Silas, Timothy, Luke, uh, a bunch, uh, Apollos. And then, then see, it shows his compassion for those places that are mixed ethnically, which was the Decapolis, part Jew. Remember, we've been in the Decapolis earlier. Remember where the demons were there? Where, 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 where did they end up? In the pigs. I mean, I don't care. That's that's funny. I don't care what you say to, to put them in the... I, I don't know what to do with that, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, we'll just leave that alone. Uh, 
they bring this man to Jesus. We don't know who they are. They're never mentioned. In the, and, and it's kind of like, remember Mac and Mark 2, they, four friends, bring uh, a paralytic to Jesus and put him through the roof. You know, that's, but, so it's probably his family or friends, people who knew him. But I guess I would, I'll ask you, and you can yell out if you want, and if you're wrong, I'll tell you. <laughs> the, uh, does, you know, w- when people do this, does, why are they bringing him to Jesus? Well, they, they, they obviously think he can do something. I mean, you don't do that if you don't think you're going to. So why put his finger in his ears, you know? Um, that's interesting. Well, what was his problem? He couldn't hear. <laughs> so, I mean, if he stuck it up his nose, that would be weird, but it was his ears, you know. Uh, uh, and he touched his tongue. Well, why? I mean, think about it. This is the problem. Um, it's a k- and, and you think about it, this guy can't hear. He can't talk. Would it maybe be a way to communicate to him, too, that I'm here? You know, he can see him, I realize, but... but um, and then he does this lucking up to heaven. Now, for us, that's hard because what happened? We just did it with the kids. What do I always tell the kids to do before we pray? Bow your head, close your eyes. What's the other one? Fold your hands. That's kind of the way we do it. Sometimes I tell them to shut up. Um, depends on the situation. Um, that wasn't the way you prayed back then. You, you've seen that. It's in First Timothy. It tells men to lift holy hands in prayer. That's the way you always did it. That's the way they prayed. You'll see this in, in the parables. Th- so looking up to heaven is how they prayed. They didn't bow their head. Um, maybe we should start doing that. You know, look up. You know, I'm, then again, maybe we shouldn't. I, I, does, does it make, I guess really does it matter the con- position of the body or is it the condition of the heart that matters? I suppose it's more that. Um, maybe we could try that at home. Try that. Just lift your hands up and see if it makes a difference. This is not magic, folks. It's not like, if, well, you get better, you know. I've been asking for this like this for so long, and if I do that, oh, it worked. You know, it's, that's not the point. But this is a prayer, I think. And <laughs> again, do you want with this, but who is this again praying? Jesus, who, at this point, who is he, do you think, from the disciples? He's certainly a teacher, some sort of rabbi. They're starting to think maybe he's the Messiah, certainly a healer. Do you think they think he's God yet? Probably not. But we know he is, right? Well, if he's God, why is he praying? Does God pray now? It's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, there's, it's almost like there's another Yahweh to pray to. That's a Trinity thing, but we'll, we'll get in there later. That's the idea. The, the Trinity, we, we've said this. People struggle with this. We're obviously, it's in our statement of faith. Um, you know, one God in three centers of conscience, I think persons is what we use. But remember, the, the Trinity as a doctrine, which is biblical, we believe, is a solution to all of the scriptures about God, not a problem. I don't know how, if you don't believe in the Trinity, I don't know who the heck he's talking to here. It's kind of almost like he's got multiple personality disorder or something. You know, he's over here and he's like, 
Father, yes. Heal this guy. You know, it, it, it's just it's just goofy. But if there is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it starts to make sense, um, uh, uh, at least a little bit. And then again, you know, uh, contrary to popular belief, this was not hard for him. I'm not saying it doesn't take some human toll on him, but uh, I mean, it says one word. You know, be opened. Boom. Ears, tongue, everything goes. He's healed. Boom. That's the thing. It's always instant, except for that one time when he has to go wash, and that's a parable, I think. Uh, it's like five minutes later. It's not that long. Uh, so his power shows. And, and, and notice this is, again, you know, I think I've told you this. I did this. I went through all the Gospels, and I wrote down every, every miracle to try to get the formula. And I found out there isn't one. Just when you think you have it figured out, he does something different. Because in, in Mark 2, we had that. He said, your faith has caused your sins to be forgiven. And I'm, we're not really sure if that's the faith of the guy or the faith of the people who put him through the roof. Um, their faith isn't mentioned here anywhere. I'm not saying they didn't have it. It's just not mentioned. Um, and we have that sometimes in a couple of John's miracles and in the Gospel of John. They don't even know who he is really hard to say you have faith in somebody if you don't know who they are. Jesus can do what he wants. Um, but their actions show something. They had some sort of trust or they wouldn't have gone there. But it's not the main thing. What is Jesus' will is the main thing here. He's in the capital. You know, he, he's going through here. Um, you think there's any other deaf people, blind people, sick people, lame people, you know? In Decapolis, as far as we know, this is the only one he healed. So that hel- that tells us something. Old G- he appears to do miracles at his whim. He does do miracles at, hi- at at requests if he sees at least, I would say, non-rejection. Because I think we can make this statement: he never appears to do a miracle when he is actively rejected, or it's a parlor trick. You see this twice. You know, show us a sign. Even Herod does that when he goes in the trial, you know. Oh, I'm glad to see this guy. He can do some ter- tricks, you know. Put him in a box and see if he can disappear, you know. It's, that's kind of what we do with him sometimes. And here the miracle, really, th- the main reason seems compassion. He just has compassion on this guy. But his authority and identity, that's always it. Remember, we had that very early. That is the main reason he does miracles is his uh, to show who he is and to show his authority. Compassion is there too. And then this, we got this familiar refrain. Now remember what this guy's problem was. He couldn't hear, but he also couldn't do what? And what is he told to do? Shut up. <laughs> that had to be hard. <laughs> I just like, oh, you can talk now, but don't tell anybody. And the thing, and, the, and Mark doesn't really deal with this a lot, neither do the other Gospels. He, you know, Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed. Yeah, he doesn't really deal with how Jesus felt when they did this. Um, but how could he tell this man and their family to keep the secret? You know, what was his point? What this does for us, this is my opinion. It's, again, I think it's a very well-informed opinion. I think it's a biblical opinion. I think it makes sense that why this is in here is to show us why he's really doing the miracles. 
because why would he tell them not to tell anybody? What if that happened to us? What if that happened to you? You have a loved one who's sick and they get healed, or a loved one who's blind and they can see, or a loved one who's deaf and they can hear. Would your first inclination just not put it on Facebook? Or Instagram or Twitter or was it X now? Sorry. Um, I think I would probably tell somebody. That's, but why, so why not say it? Well, it, there has to be something deeper than the miracle itself. There has to be something deeper than just the healing that's the, the, the underlying reason for these. The only logical explanation that I can think of is that Jesus was concerned that the miracles would become the main thing. And not what they pointed to. They're not called signs just because he just thought that was a cool word. I've used this before. If you go to the bottom of the hill down here, you see a sign. We put that down there. It only took us a year and a half to get our sucker up there. DOT is rather a stickler for signs near the highway, that we found out. Um, but that points to something, right? Wouldn't it be kind of silly if somebody came and said, well, there's a sign to Grace Church, so I'm just going to sit here at the bottom of the sign. Well, that's kind of what you do when you stay in the miracles. You know, just like, well, I'm just going to stay here in the sign. No, what's it pointing to? He seems to believe that proclaiming him in a wrong way is worse than saying nothing at all. And that's something his followers should consider. I think this is big for us. Um, he seems to think that if we are saying things about him without good knowledge of who he really is, that we're going to cause more problems than we help. And I, I know that sounds counterintuitive to us evangelicals. But it can cause problems. Um, <coughs> yes, you know, always be prepared to give an answer for, the, you know, for, for, for why you have your faith, the hope that's in you. Yes, you, you need to try to do that. But that could take some time. It's out there everywhere, right? There's plenty of people telling us about Jesus. But my golly, you read it, it's like, well, what you're saying about Jesus and the one I'm reading about don't seem to line up very well. Maybe you should read more and talk less. I remember Billy Graham in the end of his life. You know, I don't know how many people he preached to in those, uh, in those meetings or crusades that they had. And Anybody ever go to a Billy Graham crusade? A few? Um, yeah, I mean, good guy. But I remember him saying, I just kind of paraphrased it just a second ago. So what would you do different? You know, this is when he's getting on in years. He said, I would study more, pray more, and talk less. He felt that his presentation of the gospel, though true, was a little shallow in places. And, and, and that's his own, you, know, you can do what you want with that. But I think that's true, again, we, we, we think, well, we got to get out there and tell people, and we want people. But again, w w get to know him good first. How long did the, here we are in the middle, of, we're probably maybe toward the middle to the end of the second year of his three-and-a-half-year ministry. It's a guess. We don't know exactly the, how the chronology is of this. It took these 12 guys that walked with him day by day three-and-a-half years to figure out who he was. And you're going to do it in a day? 
I mean, you, you can, the Holy Spirit can do lots, but it's kind of back to what I showed the kids. It's like, well, why, why have all these books if you can just get it infused, you know? I guess to be a little, a little bit harsh, but not too harsh, um, to quote a good apostle, You know, you, you need to know it better to get to know him better. And they ask, you know, kind of in the background, you hear, well, why do we need to know it better? And so, what, you know, we, we, we know Jesus. We know, and, he's, he, and he just kind of says, grow up. <laughs> I like that, grow up. You're too, you're too young in the faith. You just don't understand. Uh, you, you need to learn more, you know. There's a lot of books here. If you want to get to know God well, then you need to get into his word. Um, and if that makes you feel guilty, good. <laughs> but don't stay in the guilt. You know, grace, you know. This is the same Jesus that in my movie is smiling at that lady and smiling at this guy, and he's smiling at you right now, saying, yeah, okay, maybe binge-watched on, you know, Apple TV too long. But, hey, we can spend still spend some time. You know, get to know me better. So we see, and we see, we get to know him through this. This is, Jesus is, is moving around, and, you know, we're, and we're kind of flying on the wall watching these disciples trying to figure out who he is. And he ventures into Gentile territory, but his primary plan doesn't change. It's still first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, eventually through his disciples. They're the ones that do it. Um, and you notice his power doesn't diminish here. The only time he doesn't do miracles is when they reject him. Do you think he could have done miracles when they were? Sure, he can do whatever he wants. When there's active rejection, he's just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be there. But he's concerned that remember that the new covenant in Christ comes from the old covenant that preceded it. You know, the woman at the well, you get that so clearly. Salvation is from the Jews. What does that mean? The Messiah is coming there for all you people, you know. I'll say it, I think it's true. If you want to know Jesus better, study some first century Judaism. Go to a Bible study. Put the main thing first. Because don't you want to know, I mean, don't we all want to know him better? It's really not that hard, you know. And I, I just challenge you, you can look on our calendar, it doesn't have to be our Bible studies, but our Bible studies are really good. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. We don't get very far, but I think we get to know Jesus better. And that's what I hope you always do when you open the Bible. You know, we want to understand him. We want to remember these things every day. Think about it. You've got the opportunity in America to open up the very word of God and get to know God better and Jesus better. Take advantage of it. You know, it's just a wonderful thing. That's what we're doing. Every day I hope you wake up and say, I hope I get to know God a little bit better today. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for this revelation to us. You reveal yourself in ways that we would have never guessed, with words that even though we can understand them, sometimes it takes some work, both from our own objective standards, but certainly from the Holy Spirit within us. We know you reveal yourself perfectly. Uh, may we just want to get to know you better through your word so we know how to pray better, how to worship better. May we just let Jesus take us by the hand and show us exactly who you are.
pray in his name. Amen.